Amen. Well, please take your Bibles and turn with me at this time to the Gospel of John, chapter 5, is where we're going to get started. Uh, today is week 6 in our series on biblical foundations. And so we've, we've looked at five so far uh, over the past five weeks. We've looked to see what the Bible, uh, what Scripture tells us about the Bible, about God, Jesus, salvation. Last week we did the Holy Spirit. Today we look at the resurrection. Next week we'll finish things out uh, when we see what the Bible says about the church. But today we're talking about the resurrection. And so we're going to start in John chapter 5, uh, verses 28 through 30. And uh, please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. These are the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear His voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. This is the word of God. Dear Lord, as we look at these verses and others this morning, I pray that you would indeed uh, speak to us, help us, challenge us, encourage us through your word this morning as we look at this very important subject of the resurrection. And we open our hearts to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. One of the great truths of the Bible is that human life does not end at death. And this one truth, it really changes everything, doesn't it? Changes our priorities, right? I mean, if this life is all there is, and that's where you're going to put all of your energy, right? But if, if there's life after death, and if your current life is very brief in comparison, then it only makes sense. You're going to invest your resources in the eternal life to come rather than your life here on earth. It changes the moral decisions we make. Once again, if, if there's no life after death, then that means there's no final judgment, right? And we might be tempted to, to make our choices based on, on what feels best to us rather than that according to that which is fair and right. But if there is life after death, that means we are accountable to God for our choices and we need to be very careful about the decisions we make. It changes our attitude towards death. If there was no life after death, then death would be the most bitter pill to swallow. Because death would mark the final separation of family members and loved ones. It would mean death would snuff out our very existence, all of our dreams, our memories, our cherished beliefs, gone. But if there's life after death and that life is good, that means we can face death unafraid. And we can find hope and comfort knowing that, yes, we will see our loved ones again. So you see this biblical truth that there's life after death. It changes everything, doesn't it? And it should especially change our attitude towards God. For God is the giver of life, both earthly and eternal. God is the one who will judge our lives one day. And God is the one who will ultimately decide our eternal destiny. How dare we ignore him or set him aside 
in our lives. Uh, today's message is not an easy one. Some parts of it in particular are not easy for me to preach or for you to hear. But I urge you to listen carefully because this is, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where it all comes together. The stakes are infinitely high and your life hangs in the balance. And if you miss this, you miss everything. You miss everything because you have an eternal destiny that changes everything. So let's take a look now at the, at the portion of our statement of faith which deals with the resurrection. Uh, you'll find it in the outline that's in your worship guide if you'd like to take that out and follow along or take notes, but we'll put it up on the screen for you right now too. We believe in the resurrection of both the saved and the lost. They that are saved under the resurrection of life and they that are lost under the resurrection of damnation. And so we're going to look at this uh, part of our statement of faith in light of Scripture. We've said everything in our statement of faith comes straight from the Bible. So now we're cross-checking it, right? We're we're reverse-engineering it. We're going back into the Bible. What does the Bible teach us? And the first thing we need to consider when we look at what the Bible says about the resurrection, uh, and this is the first point on your outline, each person's eternal destiny is sealed by death. Let me say that again. Each person, each person's eternal destiny is sealed by death. Hebrews 9.27 says this, man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Doesn't get much clearer than that, right? One death and then judgment. This is a vitally important truth which flies in the face of many other religious teachings and philosophies. Let me uh, share a number of them with you. Materialism. What does materialism teach? Materialism says, yeah, one death. They agree with that part. But then they say, that's it, right? No judgment, no afterlife. That's materialism. Universalism agrees one death and no judgment, similar to materialism. But then they say, yeah, there's an afterlife. It's a beautiful, it's a perfect afterlife. And everybody goes there. doesn't matter what you believe. Doesn't matter how you lived your life here on earth, we all go to this beautiful afterlife, universalism. Eastern religions believe not in one death, but many deaths. We call this reincarnation, this continual cycle of life and death and until you learn the lessons you were supposed to learn or, or you just finally get it right. Christian science. Christian science teaches that there is No death, not one death, not many deaths. It says that there's no death, that death is an illusion along with sickness, evil, and sin. Then there are others who teach that, yes, you only die once, but then you get a second chance. You get a second chance after death, perhaps the opportunity to work off some of the bad things you did. You know, sort of like a divine detention hall, you know, before you enter the glories of heaven. But the Bible is inarguably clear on this point. There are no second chances. Each person's eternal destiny is sealed by physical death. You die once, and then you face judgment. I don't know of any other truth that adds such urgency to life. I don't understand the attitude of people who say, I don't have time for God right now. You know, I've got some things I need to take care of first. I'll, I'll work things out with God later. 
You know, when I was born, I, I received a, a birth certificate with a date on it. I don't know anyone who gets their death certificate in advance. And some people may choose to pre-order or even pre-engrave their gravestones, but you know what? They, they never etch in that final date until after they die. I've seen elderly persons die after living good, long, healthy lives. And I've seen children die in infancy. I've seen teens killed in car accidents. uh, And a seemingly healthy 40-year-old man dropped dead from a sudden heart attack. The point is this. None of us ever has a claim on tomorrow or even the next hour or minute. Your eternal destiny is sealed by death and you do not know when death will come knocking at your door. How foolish not to get things right with God right now while you still may. This is why the Bible says now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. If you do not belong to Jesus Christ, then you are not ready to die. And as someone once said, if you're not ready to die, then you are not yet ready to live. And so if you've never come to Jesus for salvation, if you've never committed your life to him, then I urge you, do not waste another day. Why delay? Man is appointed to die once, and then you face judgment. That's our first point this morning. Each person's eternal destiny is sealed by death. But death is not the end. Because there is a resurrection to come. That's the second thing we we need to talk about today. The Bible speaks of bodily resurrection and divine judgment for all. For everyone. Let's talk about bodily resurrection first. You know, just a few weeks back, we, we looked at what the Bible teaches about Jesus. And we saw that Jesus rose bodily from the grave. And we know that it was, he, he was raised in the same body that he lived in. We know it was the same body because they went to the tomb and it was gone. Right? The tomb was empty. And yet it was a different body in some ways too. This was a glorified body that would never die again. And the Bible teaches us that as believers in Christ, we also will enjoy a physical resurrection. Once again, if you belong to Christ, then when you die, first of all, your spirit goes directly to be with God in heaven. Uh, Your physical body, that remains behind for a season. But at the resurrection, Jesus will raise your body from the grave. And just like Jesus, it'll, it'll be your body, same body, but different. Philippians 3.21 says that Christ will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Isn't that awesome? You're going to receive a glorified resurrection body no longer subject to the ravages of sin and sickness and death. Now, many people are familiar with this teaching that we've just looked at, that believers in Christ will be raised from the dead. Most people know that one. What a lot of people do not know is that the Bible also teaches that non-believers, non-believers will also experience a bodily resurrection. That's what our statement of faith says, right? We believe in the resurrection of both the saved and the lost. And there are so many scriptures that share this. Let me just share a few of them with you. Acts 24, 15 says, there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. Very clear. 
Daniel 12, we read this earlier. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Or the words of Jesus from John 5. Jesus said, a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear my voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live. Those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. And so Christ will raise both the righteous and the wicked, both the believer and the non-believer. All will be raised and all will be judged. Now the Bible speaks of two types of judgment. Okay, there's a judgment of works and then there's a judgment of salvation. No one is exempt from either judgment. All persons who have ever lived will be held accountable before God for the life they have lived and the choices they have made. In the judgment of works, God is going to evaluate your life according to your deeds. Nothing will be left out. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36, men will have to give account on the day of judgment uh, for every careless word. They have spoken. And so all those things that you thought were hidden or covered up or, or no one knew about, it will all be exposed to the light. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Proverbs 5.21 says, For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all his paths. Yikes. You know, so so your, your, your entire life will be up for review. It's all going to be there, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The book of Romans 3.19 says that every mouth will be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. In other words, you and I will have nothing to say in our defense. Our sin will speak for itself, even the fast talkers of this world will be left speechless on that day. Then after the judgment of works comes the judgment of salvation. Now this one is easy. There's a book, the book of life, with a list of names written in it. The book of life will be opened And if your name is found written inside, Jesus will say to you, Come, come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. But if your name is not found written in the book of life, Jesus will say to you, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. We read about these two judgments, the judgment of works and the judgment of salvation. And in the book of Revelation, towards the end of the book, chapter 20, so towards the end of John's vision, and he writes, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, earth and sky fled from his presence. There was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. That's the judgment of works, according to what we've done. John goes on, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. There's the judgment of salvation. 
So we need to understand it's so important when the Bible speaks of bodily resurrection and judgment, it's speaking about all of us, okay? All of us, everyone. Everyone will be raised bodily from the dead and everyone will appear before God for judgment. We come now to our third point. This judgment before God will result in either eternal punishment or eternal life. Going back to our statement of faith, we believe in the resurrection of both the saved and the lost, they that are saved under the resurrection of life, and they that are lost under the resurrection of damnation. There are only two options available after death. There's either eternal punishment or eternal life. The Bible does not speak about either a purgatory or limbo. Uh, Those are both pictured as sort of halfway houses between heaven and hell. Purgatory is supposed to be a a place of temporary punishment where you finish paying off the penalty for your sins before entering into heaven. The Bible doesn't mention that. The concept of limbo, this was developed in the Middle Ages, never clearly defined, but uh, limbo was pictured as a place for infants uh, who died before they had a chance to develop an awareness of God or or sin. And, And the theologians at that time figured, well, they can't go to heaven because of their original sin nature. They, they can't go to hell because they, they've never personally sinned. So where do they go? They said, well, so they postulated limbo. Some place in between, a place free from both the joys of heaven and the pains of hell. Personally, I believe every infant who dies before they have a chance to know goes directly to be with God in heaven that Jesus' death covers them. But the Bible says absolutely nothing about a purgatory or a limbo. The Bible says two options, two options only. It's either eternal punishment or eternal life. This is where it gets real hard, folks. What is eternal punishment? Eternal punishment is exactly what it sounds like. It means physical punishment for sin that is unending and unrelenting. It is what the Bible calls the lake of fire. This is not an easy teaching of the Bible. We often struggle with it, even as Christians. We don't like the thought of eternal punishment. Some people in the church have have, uh, even tried to soften this teaching uh, by replacing it with a different teaching called annihilation. Maybe you've heard of that. In an annihilation, they teach that the non-believer does not suffer conscious punishment for their sins, but rather that person is simply annihilated. Perhaps after a season of punishment or right away, but there comes a point where they're annihilated, they're snuffed out, they're removed from existence. But once again, it's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches eternal punishment or eternal life. Matthew 25 pictures the, the righteous and the unrighteous, all standing before God's judgment throne. Then the unrighteous are separated from the righteous, and Jesus says this about them. He says, they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Notice that Jesus uses the same word, eternal, to describe both the fate of the righteous and the fate of the wicked. How long will the wicked endure punishment for the same duration that the righteous enjoy eternal life. You know, the the thought of annihilation, that's horrible enough. I I don't want to be snuffed out of existence. I don't want to not exist anymore. And yet it pales in comparison to the thought of a punishment that never ends. We do not understand the necessity of eternal punishment because we do not understand the infinite holiness and majesty of God. 
The only just punishment for sinning against an infinitely holy God is an infinite punishment, a punishment that never ends. The thought of eternal punishment staggers the heart and mind as well it should. We rarely think or talk about it because it is almost unbearable even to consider. But if it's that difficult even to think about or to talk about, how much worse will it be for those who actually experience it? I believe that if we truly knew how lost we are without Christ, we would all come running, running to Jesus for salvation. We would not delay. We would embrace the gospel of Christ for the good news that it truly is. We are terribly, desperately lost, but God has provided a way of salvation for us through Jesus' Son. What could be better news than that? I know many of you have lost loved ones to cancer. Me too. How many times have you thought, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful if someone developed a cure for cancer? If someone discovered the cure for cancer? That would be amazing. That would be so good. Cancer is a terrible disease. It affects so many people. And yet sin, sin is infinitely worse and it affects us all. But here's the thing. God has provided the cure For sin. And so that is wonderful news. It's the best news you could possibly hear. And the only reason people do not joyfully embrace it as good news is because they do not believe that they are so terribly lost. We need Christ for salvation. John 3.18 says, Whoever believes in Christ is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only sin. Condemnation, the wages of sin is death, physical death, spiritual death, eternal death. Eternal death means eternal punishment for our sins. And that's the hard part. But there's another side, isn't there? Because the Bible also speaks of eternal life. What a contrast to eternal punishment. Eternal life means eternal fellowship and communion with our great God and creator and with his son, Jesus Christ. I love the description of eternal life that we find in Revelation 21. It comes right after the description of eternal punishment in Revelation 20. Then we read, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be their God and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, praise God, no more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Think of it, life without sickness, sadness, or pain. Life uninterrupted by death, life full of love, peace, purity, and joy. This is the sure and certain hope of every believer. And so when our loved ones in Christ die, uh, 1 Thessalonians tells us, we do not grieve like the rest of men like those who have no hope. Why? Because we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe God will bring with Jesus those who've fallen asleep in him. After that, we who are still alive and are left, we'll be caught up together with them. We'll all be together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be together with the Lord forever. 
And how do you receive this wonderful gift of eternal life? You trust yourself to Jesus who died on the cross for your sins, who died in your place. Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. John 3.36 says, whoever believes in the Son of God has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Two options, folks. There are only two options after death for everyone. Eternal life for those who believe in Christ. Eternal punishment for those who do not. Each person's eternal destiny is sealed by death and then determined by God at the day of judgment. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what God will say to you on that day? Let me tell you right now, no one is going to pass the judgment according to works. Not going to happen. None of us. We've all sinned. And when your entire life is reviewed from beginning to end, you and I, we will have plenty of sin to account for. So don't pin your hopes on the judgment of works. Look instead to the judgment of salvation. Because remember, the the judgment of salvation, that's not based on works. It's based only on one thing, whether or not your name is found written in the book of life. That's it. And when you learn that everyone whose name is not found written in that book is cast into the lake of fire, should only be one question on your mind. One question. How do I get my name into that book? How do I make sure my name is written in the book of life? And fortunately, I mean, that's the the granddaddy question of them all. Fortunately, God's told us the answer. When you trust Jesus as your Savior, your name is written right then and there into the book of life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we said, like we said at the, at the beginning of the message today, the fact that human life continues after death, that changes everything. Everything, it changes our priorities. It changes the decisions we make. It changes our attitude towards death. And it should especially change your attitude towards God. Choose sin over God. And you choose eternal punishment. Choose Christ, and you choose eternal life. Let me encourage you to choose Christ today. Let us pray. Dear Lord, it's a a difficult message. There are hard teachings in your word, and yet you've given us your word to teach us, to challenge us, to help us, to shape us, Lord, I pray for any believer here today that we would find great encouragement and comfort and hope in the teaching of the resurrection. It's a beautiful teaching for us. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who does not know you, that they would hear the word of warning and judgment that you have pronounced today, that they would not delay, but that they would give their life to you now, today, before they leave this place. Lord, I pray for those of us who do believe that this message would also be a challenge and a motivation to us to share the gospel with those around us, to share 
the good news of Jesus with our loved ones, with those who need to hear the gospel to be saved. Lord, these are important truths. They're not always pleasant truths, but they're important. We need them if we're going to live our lives in a way that brings you glory and honor and brings the gospel to others. Thank you for your word, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.